welcome to the Words and Pictures podcast. I'm DJ Bowman Smith and this is Words and Pictures podcast number 72. This week my lovely guest is Hazel Pryor and she'll be telling us about her whimsical animal stories. Uh, Yeah, really nice chat so do stick around for the interview section. So at my desk this week, well at my desk this week, uh, the desk's been moved. Uh, I've taken it into my head that what really needs to be done next, while my editor has the uh, the edits for Midwich 2, is the audiobook for Midwich 1. So the uh, thing is, I don't actually have a proper sound booth, and I don't really worry, I must admit, too much about the podcast. I try and get a fairly nice, quiet-sounding room. You know, I just carry on in my office, you know, I put the curtains down and you know, throw a few blankets around, but I don't, I don't overthink it because the thing about a podcast is it's a fairly organic thing. Uh, the other person on the other end might not have, probably hasn't got the same microphone and setup as you have. You know, you're not in a studio environment, so you don't have to nitpick too much. And, you know, you've often, you know, if you're a regular listener, you've heard my dog in the background and, you know, the occasional door slamming or something. So, you know, and it's all fun. And I think that's the beauty of a podcast, that it is, it is you know, it's a natural thing that's happening right then and there. And although I do a bit of basic editing to take out any coughs or sneezes or, you know, big gaps or anything like that, uh, on the whole, you know, pretty much, you know, what you're listening to is what happened. So the audiobook, however, is an entirely different beast. So the audiobook requires that you do, in fact, have a thing called um, an isolation booth. Well, I haven't got an isolation booth or special sound room, but it's not that difficult to make one. Now, I set out uh, a while ago to do the audiobook for one of my children's books, and I kind of fiddled about with it, and I kind of got started, but I never quite finished the job, and you know how I am with a children's work. I never quite get round to it. Um, you know, I really need to, you know, give myself some time next year, which I'm definitely going to do, where I'm going to give myself two months where I'm just going to work on that to kind of, you know, give it the time that it deserves. However, during that time when I was having a go at or at reading the audiobook, and I think it's when I just started the podcast, so the whole recording thing was quite new, and I wasn't really used to listening to my own voice. Now, you hear a lot of people that, go, that say, oh, I don't like the sound of my own voice, but I'd like to kind of, you know, make a little correction there. Um, it's not really that you don't like the sound of your own voice. It's actually the fact that you don't know what your own voice sounds like. You know, listening to yourself speak through a through headphones is an entirely different experience to hearing yourself speak, you know, just when you're just talking normally. So the thing is, you know, nearly two years into the podcast now, not quite two years, but, you know, year and three quarters or whatever it is, uh, I feel quite comfortable with how I sound. I don't I don't really worry about it. That's to me it's just another voice. And so uh you know that's fine. So I felt that I was kind of in a good position to you know really take on the the task of you know seriously trying to um get on with the audiobook. So uh I've set up a, a nice sound room upstairs. Now the quietest room in my house is upstairs in the bedroom. Uh, it's at the back of the house. It's away from the road. Not that the road's busy, but you know you still get the occasional car. Uh, it, it's backed onto other gardens, so it's fairly, fairly quiet. Especially this time of the year when people aren't outside gardening. Whereas I think in the summer there's always somebody mowing the lawn, so it's very quiet this time of year. I've hung lots of stuff around the walls. There's a picture rail, so I've kind of hung 
dressing gowns on coat hangers and things like that. I've, I've put blankets over all the furniture. And the other thing that I've done, which I'm... Somebody else who, who recorded at home, I saw it on one of these videos, and, I, and I'm very sorry, but I can't remember who it was. And it was quite a long time ago. But uh, they said that one of the best tricks is to get a patio umbrella and put a big blanket over it. And that pretty much gives you a isolation booth. It's, it's a really good trick. Uh, the ceilings in my house are quite high, and so this is a particularly good trick for me. So I, I, I did buy this patio umbrella um, when I was going to do uh, my children's audiobook, which I still will. I just haven't got around to it. And when I've learned how to do it properly, I'll go back and take that job up again. But um, so what I've got is a big patio umbrella here. It's quite a large one, but it's a cheap one, you know. But the point is, it's clean. It's not like the one that's in the shed outside. So you feel like you can have it in the house and put a bedspread over it and you don't feel feel that so it's my sort of indoor umbrella so I've got that and I'm sitting under here now actually because obviously I'm in the middle of you know doing that bits and pieces although I haven't got all the doors shut I'm just uh, keeping an eye on my dog in the garden so so that's me so I've been doing the um doing the the audiobook uh so how's it going well it's a bit of a learning curve I, I think I've got the sound booth sorted that's fine but it's oddly difficult reading clearly and at a measured pace and also with the right kind of intonation you know it, it's it's surprising when you hear it back and you think oh I don't know so I'm, I'm kind of just practicing at the moment the other thing is I'm having a little bit of a problem with uh, setting up the whole audio file thing so that it sounds really really nice and uh, I've been on uh, I've had a, I've had a I have you see, and that's what happens. You go blah, blah, and uh, and make a horrible noise. Um, and I've been on. I've had a couple of Zoom calls with my one of my daughters, who's a sound engineer. Well, bless her heart. So she's been coming on trying to sort it out. And um, she suggested that I really need to have a bit more equipment than I've got. And she told me to go look in her bedroom. And there was another thing, and I can't think what it's called. I'll tell you next time I come on. And. Um, so she said, oh, you need to do this and plug this in here and do that, this, that and the other. So I'm going to have a little go. I need another cable, which hopefully um, Amazon will deliver later on today. So that's me. Um, yes, audiobook. Watch this space. Happy days. <laughs> anyway, come and meet Hazel. She's a lovely, lovely woman. On the Words and Pictures podcast this week, my guest is Hazel Pryor. She writes whimsical stories featuring humans and wildlife. Her stories emerge after plenty of chocolate, walks, naps and restarts. Welcome to the podcast, Hazel. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Well, it's lovely, it's lovely to have you. Um, so you've got four books out now. And uh, I, I first noticed you across the social media because you've written this thing about otters, because actually that's what my husband's nickname is, Otter. I probably shouldn't say that on there. Maybe that needs cutting. But, uh, but oh, anyway. I want to know why. I want uh, to know why. Well, well when he was young, he just had that. Um, and I think he still does, actually, even as a obviously I'm quite an old lady now. Um, he has a very expressive face. He's not somebody that could ever lie because uh, every everything is on Paul's face. That's right. just how he is. And um, um, and I think otters are a bit like that. They're very they've got this quite sort of expressive little look on their faces haven't they yeah they have i have to ask is he very whiskery 
Because um, artists have a lot of whiskers. <laughs> um, he's clean shaven. He's always been clean shaven, but he's he's got very short hair and and that's kind of shaped head, I think. Yes. And oh. when I met him, I thought you remind me of something. You remind me of something. And then and then a few days later, I thought I know what it is. He reminds me of an otter, and I've called him that ever since. <laughs> so, oh. so there we are. For happy days. So that was it. So um, uh, where do we start? So you've got your four books out. And and you you've got you have creatures in your in your writing. What comes first, Hazel, the human character or the animals you want to write about? Ah, oh, that's an interesting question and one that I haven't been asked before. Um, mostly, actually, yes, that's a very good question. For my debut novel, it was the people, and my debut novel is actually set on Exmoor and is called Ellie and the Harp Maker. Um, so I sort of had harps as my main inspiration for that. Um, but there is a very quirky pheasant in that story. Yeah. <laughs> so he was my first bird. Um, but for my second and third books, my second book was uh, probably my best known one. And that's Away with the Penguins. Yeah. Um, and that was very much penguin inspired. Um, so that, I think, was the, the penguins that came first. Sort of very, very soon after I kind of had the concept of writing about an older woman, a very feisty old woman. So I thought I thought I'd put those two elements together, feisty old woman and penguins, I like it. And that was kind of what I built on and built the, the story around. Um, and then I wrote the sequel to that, which is Call of the Penguins. And with otters, um, again, uh, it was the otter that came very near the beginning, actually. But I already had an inkling of the type of story that I wanted. Um, but the otter actually gave me the ideas about how I could make this character more interesting. Um, my central character, um, who is actually very different from my feisty old woman in the in the in the two books before that. So she's a, a young girl, 19 years old, um, suffering with various problems, but which I sh probably shouldn't give away. But I wanted to give her something to make her more dynamic. And the otter sort of gave me that idea of this incredible curiosity that she's got. Um, so she actually becomes a very nosy and in an intelligent character and a very nosy character. And I sort of based my story around that and gave her a bit of um, amateur sleuthing ability. So she works out a lot about her local community by what's going on in the village. And she also falls in love with this baby otter who she sort of finds by the river takes to her local otter sanctuary and then works out that there's um something not quite right going on in the sanctuary so sort of one idea very much leads to another in my thinking and I think it works that way with many novelists that you know they'll have one little idea um and then it suddenly sort of starts breeding other ones and that's the way it works for me yeah and I think often I think if you're an animal lover I always think um people with animals people that have a, have a connection with animals they are more interesting characters it's it's almost like you're constantly trying to connect with something that's other than yourself and 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 you know as a as a fictional character makes them more interesting and actually real people they seem more real for it i think to have have the animals are there a lot of animals in your own life apart from percy <laughs> uh, there's Gorgeous Percy, yes, our cat, who's 18 and a half now, um, is blind and is deaf and needs a lot of looking after, but is as gorgeous as ever. Um, apart from that, no, just a lot of wildlife around. So I go on walks um, on Exmoor, where I live nearly every day, and there's, you know, I see a lot of bird life and, you know, the occasional fox or rabbit or um, deer, lots of deer around. Um, so, yes, I'm sort of aware of there being a lot of wildlife around and I'm very interested in all of it. 
yes yes that's it and i think that's that's obviously what is going to come across in all your stuff um so so your first your debut novel concentrated you know you had the creatures in it but but it also sounds like it um connected to your other self your harpist self uh is, is there always a little bit of music in your writing if you see what i mean do you have musicians in your writing um definitely in the first novel it was very much sort of about well not necessarily music itself well obviously it was about music and harps specifically but kind of the overall thing was more about following your dream um which is what I did when I started to play the harp and also when I started to become an author so it's sort of about following your dream and how that sort of helps you become more your true self um, and helps you express um, something that's very, very personal to you and get it out there in the world. So I think it was more that idea rather than music specifically um, that was embedded in the first novel. Yeah. Uh, it, but the other novels don't mention music more than sort of just passing references. Um, so I think the Penguin ones are very much more sort of env environmentally themed Um rather than the music and arts themed ones. So there's more science in those actually, because they're, they're set in a study research center in Antarctica. Um, there's a lot about science and ecology sort of going on there underneath the surface. Um, yeah. And then Life and Otter Miracles. Uh, yeah, a few bits of music, but again, you know, that's more a, a mystery story, sort of elements of whodunit, elements of romance going on there. Um, and then, you know, my settings, I love my settings. So I always kind of go a little bit mad, explain, um, describing the settings. So um, you've got a lot of sort of nature and wildlife in there and the natural music, the music of the natural world, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think you're very, I like the way it says it, you know, when I obviously read up about your little bits and pieces and, and you're sort of, sort of saying that you can't really fit it into a genre, that it's kind of a, a whimsical thing. And I think that's probably what makes it so unique and, and so um, uh, so popular that, you know, the books that you've written, because you're, you're, I, I feel that for a traditionally published author, if I dare to say anything so rude, um, <laughs> you seem like you're you're writing for yourself, which sometimes I feel those traditional trad authors get pushed into a thing to write certain things. You know, they get told by the publishing houses what they what they would like them to write, and they kind of have to do that if they want to carry on being published. But it, it, uh, it feels like to me that you're writing exactly what you want to write, and it's all quite quirky and and good for you. you it looks like it's working brilliantly. Yes, I've got away with it. Um, and you're quite, right, you know, quite often you, you are thrust into a genre and I don't really feel I fit into any genre. But there is this thing they talk about now, which is sort of uplit, which isn't a term I like very much, but it's sort of something that I think um, we need more and more, which is just sort of um, books which which may give you good feelings when you finish, which have some kind of positive message and although they're not kind of um, pretty fluffy stories um, they will show people going through maybe quite hard times but will come through it stronger and better at the end and make you feel more positive about humanity and it's important to me to kind of have that positivity about my writing and I think that's that and the wildlife themes are one thing that sort of pull all my stories together um, but I don't know whether you can call that a genre or not. <laughs> no, well, I think you're making. I think you're making your own way, Hazel. And good I think you. I let's, am. Let's have let's have the genre called Hazel. Hazel Pryor <laughs> genre. <laughs> but I think you're right about the uplit, and I think um, I I find it particularly um, watching. I don't watch a lot of television. When I watch television, I find it very hard to watch very gritty 
stuff at the end of the day i i want i want uplifting something or other or something that's you know leaves me with a quiet mind and a happy feeling you know even if they've gone through some stuff i want it to have a, a perhaps i'm a bit of a happy ending person but anyway that's one thing i wanted to ask you this because um so you're writing some humor in your books how yes. how now i write a bit of humor in my books i've just started to let myself do that as as an older woman and um how how does it happen for you do you find that you write it in it for, so this is how it happens for me i write it and i find it funny and then i start to the editing process and then i think oh my god this isn't funny at all and then my editor reads it and she finds it funny and i think thank god for that <laughs> and then it goes out and then other people find it funny and i think phew that's okay but do you find my question is this do you find you doubt yourself over the humor or do you always think oh yeah this is funny or, or do you or are you like me do you think i don't know do other people think this is funny is it just particularly quirky to me or do you test it on your partner or your friend or something to check whether they think it's funny well um i doubt everything about my writing <laughs> constantly yeah, um, it's sort of one way of answering that um i could also say that i don't sort of set out to write humor it's just what comes out of me so i don't think oh i must write a funny thing here it's just, I think, an automatic thing that I'll get quite serious and then I, I kind of have this need to reach for something a bit lighter um, and that's just what happens organically. Um, and um, as well, I think maybe when I'm going over it, I might think, oh, I wonder if this is funny. Is this funny? Um, but I tend not to worry about it too much, to be honest, because I know that, you know, if you tell a joke... Um, and it's the first time you've seen it. It will be funny quite quite a lot often, but the second time it would just won't be because that's the whole thing about jokes, isn't it? You know, you can't laugh twice at the same joke, really. Yes, um, yeah. So, so it's not really, it's not the biggest of my issues, but I I would say I have a lot of issues about a lot of aspects of my writing. Um, I think I worry as well about it being um, about it being relevant, about it being interesting about it being well written I worry about it being believable especially the believable thing I think because I think I have quite um, wide perimeters I don't I would rather have an interesting story than a story that's um, that's totally believable on every level so you know I, I do think well perhaps I, I'm stretching the boundaries a bit here but you know you've got to just go with the story that you like so yeah a lot of doubts but there we go yeah yeah I, th I think I think that's true of most writers I think we all doubt doubt you know I think I I I click through the first draft I think oh yes haha you know and then I kind of start to read it through and think oh you know and you stop changing it and fiddling around and then you think should you change it too much are you losing the 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 sort of impetus that you had to start with and all of that stuff and I think it's just a whole but then when you get to the end of it when people are actually reading it and you're getting the feedback and people are saying yeah and you think ah oh, well there you go and then you think can I do it again <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> there's always this that circling round around yes round exactly around. you think yeah. that's great but can I do it again so it's like yes yeah. I think it's a horrible horrible sort of thing I don't know sometimes I wonder why we put ourselves through it because I think why do we, we? I don't we know do it? it's strange yeah. that we do but we must love it really or we wouldn't do I it I do yeah yeah I, I'm very happy when I'm just having a little click through and and tapping away on the keyboard and 
cooking stuff up it yeah it does it does i am too and then you have the vast sense of satisfaction like when you've run this huge marathon and it's you know it's been horrible and lots of suffering but you know you've done it and you just kind of have that proud that pride thing um when you've got that finished product and you think wow you know i did all this and it was hard but my god i stuck to it and i did it and here it is you know yeah and, and achievements so you've got four books out we look like we're similar age you and my you and I so have yeah. you started writing quite later on I did yes uh my first book was published when I was dare I say it 51 yeah I got the contract before I was 50 I really wanted to get to get it published before I was 50 but of course it just takes such a long time traditionally yeah. published to go through the system so unfortunately I, I didn't get it published before my 50th birthday but anyway I started writing it before my 50th birthday and it um yeah so I think there's something about the end of your 40s because I'm a similar tale as well there's something about the end of your 40s that you suddenly start thinking hang on a minute have I done exactly what I wanted to do here because I kind of feel like time is catching me up on one side and I really must you know make a decision about you know what other creative things I want to do and obviously you've done your creative thing with with your with your music I'm also an artist so I've done plenty of creative things in a different way as well but the but the writing's always been at the back of my mind there's always been a story there and, and then and then suddenly you think no, this is the moment. We've got to get on and do this or you never will, really. Yeah. And so your four yeah. books in, are you getting any quicker? Um, <laughs> I can tell I don't think I am. I think no. I'm slowing down, actually. No. Yeah. But going back to what you said, actually, because as you say, you know, when you reach your 50s, you kind of start thinking, oh, my gosh, I've got to make most of things before it's too late. But I sort of had the added incentive that I was really, really ill for five years. Um, and couldn't do it physically really ill in loss of pain and I physically couldn't do anything for all that time so then finally I was diagnosed and, and had surgery and and could do things again because all that time I couldn't play the harp I couldn't even write three sentences it was just too painful everything was just so painful so when I could finally do things again it was like suddenly being given a new life so I had that you know 50s thing but even more so because I hadn't literally hadn't done anything for the last five years I thought my goodness I can do things again what do I really really want to do so it was the music and the writing that I really honed in on then and you know and I think it think those years gave me the grit and resilience um, and the forward push to actually make myself do it yeah and I think I think when you've had a bit of bad illness or somebody close to you has um, you it gives you a it really hones your appreciation for life I think and makes you realize that you know this is it you've really got to have a go with anything that you particularly want to do because there isn't this isn't a you know as far as we know this isn't a, a first run not a rehearsal yeah it's, it's not a, a rehearsal yeah, yeah exactly yeah right. anyway I'd love to ask you about your the Richard and Judy thing how exciting was that or was it terrifying <laughs> oh a bit of both yes it was amazing actually um because um my publishers just entered me for it I didn't know how it worked hadn't heard really heard of it didn't know a thing about it. Um, obviously, I knew Rich and Judy, um, but not personally. <laughs> um, but um, then, um, yeah, I suddenly had this email saying you, your book has been selected um, in the top 10 and they're going to be reading it. And then I had another one saying, you know, they've chosen it as one of the one of their 
book club picks. So um, oh. it was absolutely amazing, especially as the book actually came out during lockdown. So that was in 2020. Um, and all the bookshops were shut. So nobody was buying the book at all. So I just thought that's the end of my writing career. Um, but of course, the Rich and Judy thing made the world of difference. Um, and suddenly the book was out there in front of people. It was stocked in WH Smith's um, when all the bookshops were shut. So people were seeing it, um, started to buy it. And also at that time, people were really needing some uplifting Something reading. To read. yeah. um, and, you know, it gave them that quirkiness with the penguins and that uplifting feel. It gave them travel because they got to travel to Antarctica in their imaginations. Um, so I think I just hit the right um, time with the right sort of thing. Um, and Rich and Judy, of course, I, I managed to meet them on Zoom, not personally. It would yeah. have normally been personally in their studio, but um, I had a just a one to one with them with them both um, sitting here in my study um, and just had a lovely chat with them. And they were great. So that was that was a real privilege to meet the two of them as well. Yeah, oh, that was really nice. But also, I think it's amazing what we've learned to do in our back room. You know, like I, I podcast here. I was talking to somebody in Canada yesterday. It's amazing how you can kind of reach across Britain and the world and, and have a chat with somebody. And, and I think we've all got quite used to doing that, which I think is quite a, quite a good thing. You know, yes, that's yeah. one big advantage. I mean, there's so many horrible things about COVID, but, you know, it, it's amazing how we have suddenly found that we can forge these links across the world um, in a much more personal way than we had done before. So it's it, yeah. you know, something good has come out of it, at least. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, so that was that was exciting times. And I think the COVID thing, um, I think people that weren't reading ebooks before COVID, many, many people then got themselves an e-reader because you could download lots of books and you could read at your own you know read plenty of stuff and and have that escapism you know that literature can bring you and I think that was that was good for all of us you know in, in the authors yes. and, and, and people have the time to read of course which yeah. you know before they were you know so busy working and, the, and on a treadmill whereas Covid I think you know so many people are at home thinking oh, what can I do and people turn to books more than ever before so yeah yeah again, that's think... another good thing that came out of it yes absolutely I think we all had a down tick after it for a little bit mm, but, but I think yeah. things have kind of leveled out and everything's kind of settled down to a sort of more normal thing but of course there's nothing quite like going into a bookshop I think <laughs> I mean I'm, oh. I'm a I'm a avid e-reader but I read everything and I love a bookshop as well and oh, it's just totally. yeah just just really really nice I think to to be able to do that so who supports you Hazel in your writing have you got a, a supportive partner who's kind of there for you or is it a are, are you a, a lone person does the partner not get involved um, well, he is incredibly supportive in lots of ways. Um, he respects the fact that I need to shut myself in the office for hours. Um, yeah, once <laughs> um, you've taught them that, you're all right. <laughs> I know, I know. It's quite difficult at the beginning, but he's he's completely understands that now. Um, and he also understands that quite often he will say something to me and I'll be completely in a world of my own and it'll just, I, I won't have taken in what he said at all. Uh, um, he gets that now as well. Um, so that's very lovely. Um, he's not a reader himself, so I wouldn't run my novel past him at all. So in that way, not. Um, in fact, I don't have any beta readers. I don't send it to anybody apart from my editor. It just goes straight to my editor when I've written it. Um, when I was setting out, I, I started writing short stories and I did exchange those with a few people. So I did learn a few things through other writing friends then. But now I just 
just send it to my editor and with my fingers very very firmly crossed yeah yeah that's it because the editors they do tell you yeah but they are very supportive I have to say my editors at Penguin are are absolutely lovely I've been through quite a lot of them but there's one you know who's been on pregnancy leave a couple of times but she's my main editor and she's just amazing Um, not only a, a very skilled editor but just a lovely lovely person um and and will always give me um temper all the all the criticisms with lots of positive feedback as well so I don't feel too bad but but I, she keeps me working hard it's just the yeah. right balance yeah that's it and I think that's what you've got you you need somebody honest but you also need somebody to uh I don't know soothe our soothe our troubled yes. writer's heart yeah. yes. we're very vulnerable it's a personal yes. thing yeah, yeah yeah well yeah. you put yourself down on the page really you know yeah. and, and no matter yeah. what you write you're you're putting a big piece of you down something that's you know you've mulled over and thought over and cried over and laughed over for, for you know a good you know the best part of a year generally or longer for some people and it, and it's yeah it is it is tough to finally set it out there and we're hugely hugely vulnerable and sensitive and easily hurt about our own work I think that's that's the norm isn't it Um, and only other writers really understand how much I think because actually if you weren't attached to it then I uh, then I think it isn't uh I don't know is it you haven't put enough of yourself into it if you don't care what people think then why bother you know what I mean If, if you if you really want it to be you know to hit the right note you you need to put yourself there and then of course if people don't like it it's hard to it's hard to cope with yeah yeah it yeah. is yeah. yeah but so what's your current writing project Hazel what are you working on now well I'm not supposed to say at the moment until it's Ooh. we've got this thing with with um trad writing that until it's declared in the bookseller you know in uh-huh. official notice, um what it is um we're not really supposed to tell anybody so I can't really divulge Ooh, I can't I am, I am writing on another another one and it is going to be um another nature themed project um and that it will have some of the characters that have cropped up before but beyond that I can't say I'm afraid yeah, well, that's good though. But but you're on to the next project. That's the main thing. Very yeah. much into. Yeah. But yeah. I've got my deadline coming up very shortly, which is why I'm looking so tired. Are you like me? Have you always got several possible projects in your head at any given time, or do you just concentrate on one thing at once? Um, naturally, I just concentrate on one thing at once, and I would prefer it to be that way. Um, but having said that, I am actually thinking about the book after next quite a bit as well um which is unusual for me but I keep little ideas keep pinging into my head so I'm trying to jot them down and not lose them as well um and I'm also publicizing Life and Otter Miracles because it's only just come out so I have got these kind of three simultaneous things going on in my head at the moment which I find quite hard to deal with <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, yeah I think it is there's always I think if you're an ideas person I think there's there's many and I think it's quite nice to have a uh, I have compartmentalized um, notebooks. I have different notebooks for different things so that I can put the ideas in the right place and find them again, because that's the trouble. Otherwise I'm flicking through, and if I've got like a general notebook, which I call a scratch pad here, which has got anything that I want to write down in the day. So it's my notes for this podcast. It's the notes for the previous podcast, odd odd jobs I want to do the day, but I wouldn't write a story point in that I would go and find the right notebook for it and stick it in there because otherwise otherwise you've just got too much it can be so yeah. 
honestly, my life is so chaotic. It sounds like you're a pretty organised person, but I'm just not. And I really think it would be such an advantage if I could get my act together a little bit more and have specific notebooks for specific things like you do um, and just be a bit more streamlined about it. But unfortunately, everything's just a wild mess and I'm scrabbling about. The ideas are in there somewhere, but um, I pull it together eventually. But it's, I think I do make life quite tough for myself. It's it's hard work getting it getting it into some sensible order at the end of the day yeah different notebooks and different things that's my thing that's I'm an old teacher so I we I did that for you know if I taught different classes I had you know otherwise it would just all be too much going all over the place right yeah <laughs> that's my thing yeah. buy yourself so it's your I give you a free pass to buy yourself a big stack of new notebooks oh thank you all different colors they've all got different to be colors, yeah. that the, the, ni- yeah. the, the nice ones though Hazel with the nice leather backs and things you know not not Ooh. the you know. <laughs> that sounds nice. Am I allowed? Oh, that would yeah. be nice. I do a lot yeah. of right, scribbling on the backs of uh, envelopes because yes, I don't like yeah. the way paper. I'm aware of all the trees being cut down. So, yeah. you know, I just have scribbles on everything, really, which is, is just a bit annoying and messy, really. When you're writing, I talked to this really lovely author the other day, and she said that she spends most of her most of her writing, and I thought this was so unusual in today's modern world, she likes to write in the greenhouse or in the allotment by hand with a pen and paper. So how about you? Are you completely computer-based or or do you start your first draft and actually write it out with a quill pen or something? Is there something really weird that you do? We want to know. <laughs> oh, I wish I had a quill pen. Actually, somebody did give me a, a, a proper, um, found, well, it's a cartridge pen recently with a lovely nib. So I have been using that more. Um, but yes, I do write my drafts out um, normally with pen and paper first. Really? Do you? <laughs> yeah. That's yeah, I do, because um, yeah. computers, I find them, I really hate looking at the screen. I find, find it makes my eyes go a bit fuzzy. And also I find computers incredibly bossy. So if there's a typo, which there invariably is, you know, several times a sentence with me, it, you know, it'll underline, it'll shout at me, you know, change this, make it better, <laughs> you know, change, spell it correctly, you. Um, and I find that very distracting. Um so, you know, handwriting, A, I don't make so many spelling mistakes and it's easy and it's quick. Um, and B, um, I don't have this sort of awareness of little little wibbly lines in red and green being underneath um, telling me that I've spelt something wrong or typed it, typed it out wrong or whatever. So I quite like the flowiness of pen and paper. Having said that, my handwriting isn't very good. So um, sometimes I can't read what I've written afterwards. So when I'm trying to write it up, that's not so good. But I think it does, I don't know, I think it does help me um, just get it out quicker. Yeah. Uh, rather Because I tend to fiddle if I'm on the computer. Computer's great for editing because you can move chunks around. But for my first, my first initial thoughts, I just love, love a good scribble. Yeah, that's that's interesting. So you're like this other lady. Brilliant. Yes, I like that. Um, I'm completely the other way. I must have a computer. I'm slightly dyslexic handwriting is horrible almost illegible um I have to do teacher's print if I actually feel I'm going to read it again which 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 really slows me down and um I turn off all the spell checkers 
so that nothing is is interrupting oh, me and I then didn't i just realize you could do yeah, that you can you can switch it all off i switch everything off and then i just write and then the next day i come back in i go over what i wrote the day before and and sort out the dyslexic mess all the words that are right. backwards stuff like that oh. and i get it into a readable thing and then i carry on and i and i do that day in That's day out. interesting so it's a speed thing for both of us so for me actually writing by hand is quicker for you typing is quicker and i think yeah. that's the important thing with your first draft is to just to get something down get quick. it down yeah 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 and good. then go back and rewrite a million times if you have to but but that first time i think needs to be just quite quick without having to think too much yeah yeah i think if yeah. you stop and agonize you're lost really aren't you yes yeah and i think i think you need to it's all about the story to start with i think just get that story beat through and then and then you could fiddle about with other bits you know have you got any books that you wrote in the past that you will know you'll never publish or or, or show anybody have you got anything in, in your bottom drawer that you think there's quite a few short stories that um i used to send off to competitions and i think i will never revisit them uh some of them did well actually but um other ones just never got anywhere and i think i'm probably be quite ashamed of those now and there was a book that i started writing before i got ill which was just all over the place. Um, I did get to the end of it, not really heavily edited, um, but no, I would never want that to be published. I would be extremely ashamed of it. Well, I think that's interesting because I think we've all got those bottom, what I call bottom draw books, you know, that you that you wrote. I I, I wrote a science fiction thing a couple of years ago um, and, and um, I don't really mind it. I just don't think I can sell it you know i just i just don't know how i would market it i don't know where it fits you know i can't be bothered to sort it out because i think there's a lot of major problems wrong with it and and then and so it just sits there so whether well, i might come back and sort it out at some point but i well, doubt I think, it i think sometimes we have to accept that you know sometimes we just need to practice and a lot of writing is practice you know yes, it's not yeah. going to be seen by people and that's fine that's just the way it is yeah. similar uh, to music then absolutely yes yeah yeah yeah. And I, and I think the more you do it, the better you get. But it's funny because I'm just because I do my own artwork. So I'm just here doing my um, chapter headings for my little illustrations that I've been putting into my work in progress. And and uh, so I have like writing things about writing for a couple of months and then I come back and I'll do some artwork. And when I first come back into the artwork again, it's like, oh, can I still draw? <laughs> and I have to kind of think, yeah, of course you can, you know, but for the first couple of things, I'm kind of unsure of myself. And I, and I, you know, a lot of things are getting put into the bin and then, and then suddenly it kind of clicks in again and I can do it. And, I, and it's the, and it's the same the other way around. When I come back to sort of start writing seriously again, you know, when that project's gone on its way, you, you kind of think, oh, I don't know. And I think you write that first chapter and think, well, that's going in the bin in a minute, but I'll leave it there for now, you know. <laughs> yes, quite. You just need to get into the mood of it, don't you? Get back into the swing of it somehow. Just yeah. write any old thing sometimes um, and, and not be too critical. Yeah, um, and rekindle your belief in yourself, I think. Yeah, yeah yes. definitely. Anyway, um, Hazel, where can people find you online? Online? So I have a website, um, which is very easy. So it's hazelprior.co.uk. Um, and also I have a Twitter account. Oh, we have to call it X now, don't we? X, yes. Um, <laughs> but I'm um, at Hazel Prior Books and also the same on Instagram at Hazel Prior Books. 
Brilliant. Lovely. And I'll put all those little links in the show notes for us so that people will find them. Thank you for joining me, Hazel, on the Words and Pictures podcast. It's been lovely talking to you. Great to speak to you too. So lovely to talk to Hazel Pryor and uh, interesting to have more animal based stories, I think. Uh, I haven't really had that on the podcast yet, so a bit of a podcast first. So thanks, Hazel. That's great. <laughs> uh, so next week, my lovely guest is Angela Van Lempt. And uh, Angela writes young adult fantasy, and she'll be talking to us about that and, um, you know, her plans for the future. Really nice lady that I, I kind of met on TikTok. I keep seeing her on things and I thought she seemed really nice. So I reached out and asked her on and bless her heart, she got to, we got together. So it was nice to, you know, talk to somebody face to face. Well, that's what the podcast is all about for me. I just really like talking to you people and learning all about your, your creative experience. Okay, so uh, that's that. So that's Angela next week. And um, in the meantime, I'm DJ Bowman Smith. You can find me at djbowmansmith.com. And there's all the bits and pieces what I write and um, links to the podcast and back issues and things like that. And also you can find uh, me as a children's author at www.tigermolly.com. Okay, that's it then. Until next time. Bye bye.